Hello and welcome to the BNP Paribas Markets 360 podcast. We cover the topics that matter from the global economy to market strategy. Hello, everyone. My name is Marcelo Carvalho. I'm the Global Head of Economics here at BNP Paribas Markets 360. And today I'm joined by three colleagues of mine, Dani Stoilova, Mariana Monteiro, and Megan Dale, to discuss the recent developments regarding the European Green Industrial Policy. So, in March, the EU proposed its long-awaited Net Zero Industry Act, which is, as you know, the European response to other regions' green investment plans. I mean, no Most notably, of course, this includes the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act, or otherwise known as the IRA. Now, we expect the Net Zero Industry Act to be a key piece of legislation, probably shape EU industrial policy over coming years. It will probably have some impact across different sectors as well, and we think it may well change the international trade and supply chains. So this is quite a big deal. So today it's currently Tuesday morning in London on the 25th of April, 2023. So, Danny, uh, first things first. Given the US significant spending power, let's face it, do you think the EU will be able to compete with the RA? I mean, does it have the financial capacity to do it? Well, Marcelo, that's a good question. Although the initial consensus seemed to indicate that the EU wouldn't be able to compete with the US, we actually disagree. IRA climate investment equates to around 1.5% of nominal US GDP over a 10-year period. And the EU could match this on a percent of GDP basis, purely using unallocated NGU loans. What's more, the EU has already allocated billions of funding towards green initiatives, such as the emissions trading system grants or the farm to fork strategy. In fact, if we take into account programs beyond the Green Deal industrial plan, the EU actually comes out ahead. Ultimately, what gave the US IRA an advantage over the EU in our view is not financing power, but rather good marketing, transparency and simplicity. All right, so you're telling me uh, the EU is able to compete, fine. But what about the economic impact? I mean, what does it mean for growth, for inflation? Can you tell us about that? Thanks, Marcelo. Overall, we see the Green Deal Industrial Plan as positive for the EU outlook by supporting private investment and creating green and clean technology jobs. There is also rationale that supports the Green Deal Industrial Plan being positive for GDP. Academic literature suggests that fiscal multipliers on public investment and consumption are significant, and that this is especially true during times of economic uncertainty, which is arguably the case today, given the uncertain energy outlook. Even more, fiscal multipliers on public investment are particularly impactful within the EU and when the investment is used for green purposes, both of which apply to the green industrial policy. That said, While the Net Zero Industry Act will be positive for growth, the picture is a little bit less rosy for inflation. Our long-held view remains that the green transition will be inflationary, and we think this additional investment from the EU could exacerbate these pressures. But the extent to which this will be the case depends on how protectionist the EU's measures will be in practice. 
Okay, got it. So in other words, you're telling me this is good for growth, but it's not really that good for inflation. Now, what about the impact on other countries? So, Mariana, let me turn to you. Should we expect a transatlantic trade war? Um, no, not really, Marcelo. In our view, these concerns are a bit overestimated. Actually, we expect to see more collaboration and friendshoring between allied countries, especially around critical raw materials. The fact is that no individual country can produce all the minerals that it needs to succeed in the green transition. There are geographical constraints. So, for example, when it comes to lithium, which is a key ingredient for EV batteries, North America accounts for only 5% of global reserves. So it's very unlikely the US will be able to transition without relying on the supply of raw materials from other parts of the world, including from Europe. And in line with this rationale, the EU and the US are already engaging talks to find an agreement around critical raw materials trade. Okay, so let me shift from the international landscape to the intra-regional arena. In other words, what about EU countries themselves within the EU? Uh, will these countries find agreement? Will they cooperate on this green industrial policy? Yeah, we expect some agreement to be reached. So, as it stands, the current green industrial plan lacks detail. So on one hand, this could mean that there is a risk that the final outcome is less effective. But on the other hand, being less prescriptive could ensure it is more palatable to a range of EU member states and thus more likely for the bloc to reach an agreement on the final legislation. Especially since more contention measures, such as the creation of the EU sovereign fund, seem unlikely to be included at this stage. But significant cross-country difference could, yes, risk damaging cohesion within the single market. And this includes, for example, access to financing and permitting process. So when it comes to further flexing uh, the state aid rules and enabling a subsidy matching mechanism, we feel the EU is trying to be cautious. So for example, the proposal includes a matching aid mechanism, but in a way that encourages collaboration since the two would only be used by more economically advantaged countries if other more economically disadvantaged areas uh, from the bloc are actually included. Okay, I hear you, Mariana. It's never easy to find agreement within the EU, is it? So, but let me move from countries to sectors. And let me turn to Megan. Uh, so tell me, what about the impact on different sectors? Can you tell us more about that? Hi, Marcelo. Sure. So our view is that the solar sector will be the biggest beneficiary of EU subsidies. This is due to two reasons. Firstly, the EU has set a more ambitious solar power target than it has for wind power. In terms of the EU's renewable energy targets, the bloc is aiming to have deployed around 600 gigawatts of solar capacity by 2030, compared to just 510 gigawatts of wind. What's more, as of 2021, the EU is further behind on its solar goal. If the EU is to achieve these ambitious solar targets, it really has to step up its game. The second reason we expect the bloc to focus on solar production is because it is way more reliant on China for solar panels than is the case for wind turbines. In fact, the EU imports nearly all of its solar panels from China, but in contrast, the EU is a net exporter of wind turbines. That said, the impact of any renewable energy subsidies from the EU will ultimately depend on the clarity and transparency. 
If firms are not clear on what kind of state aid they can expect to receive from the EU, then we don't see EU subsidies as much competition for the IRA. Okay, so in other words, you are making the case for renewable energy sectors like solar and wind. What about clean transportation? Um, So ultimately, we think that the EU will need to pay attention to battery producers as we see these firms as a particular flight risk. The reason being is that the IRA includes local content requirements in order to be eligible for the US subsidies. If, as we expect, the EU chooses to be less protectionist when structuring its subsidy programme and doesn't require EU-produced batteries in order for vehicles to be eligible for subsidies, then battery makers could be more inclined to relocate to the US. This is because US-produced batteries could be seen as more desirable by automakers in order to ensure their vehicles would be eligible for the full US subsidy allowance. Whilst the US local content requirements also apply to critical raw minerals, not just batteries, we see this as less impactful. This is because, as Mariana already mentioned, a transatlantic deal on transition minerals seems more likely than not in our view. Okay, thanks, Megan. This is, I think, a fascinating topic. There are so many potential repercussions. But uh, we have to stop here. So let me thank you, Danny, uh, Mariana, and Megan for joining me today. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye. This communication does not constitute research, a recommendation, or any form of advice from BMP Paribas or its affiliates. It does not consider your financial circumstances or objectives, and it may not be suitable for you. It should not be copied or reproduced in whole or in part.